Welcome to our community. This is Saratova Best. We are learning about Yaakov and Esau. And this is, this is not just a story in the Parsha, but we're, it's happening in real time in a way that's, in a way bigger than ever was before, was before in all of history. So, uh, what we want to do is see from a point of view of Tyra, what it's all about. So um, we're just going to say about the month of Kislev, we're in by Yislav, that's why we're dealing with Yaakov and Esau. About the month of Kislev, it says Kes Lamedvav. Kes means concealed and Lamedvav means revealed, fully revealed. Kislev is all about you don't see the truth. And then boom, right away, in a second, it turns over and you see the truth. Every other Rosh Chaydish is called the Keseliyam Chagenu about Rosh Hashanah. Sometimes you're in a situation, Bekesa, Kase Aleph. You see, you see concealment, you see darkness. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand what's going on. And then a little drop of light, like an Aleph, a little drop of light starts to come out and slowly, slowly, slowly the truth starts to emerge and things start to turn around. That's the normal way that we're used to in life. But Kislev denotes a different kind of energy. It's not darkness and then a drop of light and little, little, little. But Kislev means case, Lamed Vav. Lamed Vav is Ela, meaning these right over here, full six midas, 36, six times six. Meaning, essentially, here's a concealment. Oh my goodness, life seems so crazy. And then all of a sudden, in one split second, the whole thing turns around in a, the most miraculous way. That is the energy of Kislev. And even if we haven't seen that yet, we assume that there are going to be some moments in Kislev, we still have half a month left, in which that is going to happen. Kind of um, what we saw, Lalena uh, with September 11th, one minute life was normal, one minute life was light and normal, and people were going to work, going to get their coffee at Starbucks, getting walking up, going in the elevator, and then one minute later, boom, the whole world changed. So, but that was from light to dark. The only thing we want to take from that is understanding that the truth is that now we're in a time when we can go from dark to light in the same amount of time. One minute we're feeling the darkness, and then boom, all of a sudden, a complete turnaround. So why are we saying that? Because it looks like there, this pandemic, which we now call a plandemic, it, it seemed to have started, at least in the U.S., at least in New York, where most Jewish people are outside of Eretz Israel, on Purim. And it was a quiet, pure time when... Families were connecting with each other and people were connecting with their purpose and their selves and, 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 and their homes and their sense of self and their mission and, and the earth was being cleaned and you saw giraffes walking around in the middle of cities and all of this other stuff. And there were all these speakers who were talking about the miracle of how the, the world was being cleaned. There was a, there was a pause. There was a stepping back. From, all, from the rat race that caused unbelievable things. 
And all the, the speakers were saying, when we emerge from this, we're going to emerge into a totally different and better world. So we waited and said, wow, we can't wait. And what happened? On the dot, Shavuot, as we received the Tyra, there's much to say about that, but not now. Why as we received? Well, we received the Tyra, it says, if we receive the Tyra, then the world has um, exists. It, it, it has kiyom, it has substance. And if we don't, then it goes back to chaos. Well, clearly, the world is being given an opportunity, a mandate, to receive the Tyra and step into living Tyra, both Jew and Hevel non-Jew, in a much deeper way, so that if we take on that, if we step into that mandate, if we lean into that destiny, then the world is sustained. And if not, it goes back to chaos. Well, it went into chaos at that moment. So we understand that uh, we have more potential in in terms of living that mandate of, of, of unifying with Cyrus than we have fulfilled. So there's room for growth. So the world went into chaos. That's just my armchair theory. The world went into chaos. And and so then we entered this chaotic phase that I guess went throughout the summer. And then now we're in this even darker phase of, you know, the elections and all that stuff and post-elections and the purification and exposing a whole bunch of stuff that's been hidden for many, many, many years. And it's a pretty ugly process. So really, ever since Shavuos, we've been in this very dark phase. We're in a light phase from Purim to Shavuos. And from Shavuos on, we're in a very, very dark phase. And maybe it will end, the dark phase will end on Yotes Kislev, Hanukkah, um, Hetevis, Yotzvat, you know, no one knows. Something like that. We'll see. So actually, the the inauguration of the president is supposed to happen on Heshvat. So let's see what happens. So we can say that. Here's the question: Did we get it wrong? Did we misunderstand what was going on in the first couple of months from Purim till Shavuos that we thought there were some miraculous things happening and it was really very dark, or is it that there have been two phases or even three phases? Of, to this pandemic, pandemic. Well, you can say it's a pandemic, you know, in the cynical sense, um, a politically planned pandemic. But also from Hashem, this is a pandemic. Hashem has planned this whole thing and is planning this whole thing to the detail. Detail. So there's a method here. There's a plan here. So maybe it is that the first phase was of this. For us to go into a quiet space, the whole world go into, let go of the rat race and go into a deep reflection of who are we, how do we relate to people, how do we relate to ourselves, what is going on, you know, a, a, a deep cleansing process and a quiet purification that was peaceful and very beautiful and a reconnecting with values um, that was really very deep. Uh, compared to what was going on in the past few decades. So something very, very miraculous happened, very luminous happened from Purim till Shavuos. I guess that's um, 
four and seven, 11 weeks. Well, there we go, 11 weeks. 11 is a special number. Antuchad v'lobuchushvan. It denotes the oneness above the Aseris Adibras. The Ten Commandments, the Aseris Adibras, are in the number 10. But the same, Tyra comes in the number 10, but Tyra also comes in the number 11. The number 10 is how many commandments, how many Dibras there are. Aseris Adibras, 10. Which give rise to a world and uh, connect to a world that's created through the 10 Maimarim. The 10 sayings. And, and it creates a world. It's a decimal system, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10, 100, 1,000, 10 fingers, 10 toes, everything about the world is, it's created through 10, with 10, it is about 10. It's a 10 world. It's a world of nature. That's, and it comes through Tyra. And yet also there's a higher aspect of Tyra, which is the 11 of Tyra, which is called Antuchad Velobachushvan, the oneness of Tyra, in which it's all just, it's not lots of different um, laws of what you have to do and lots of different details, but it's just one thing, Hashem. Hashem's wisdom. Hashem's unity with us. One thing. It's not the details. The ten of Tyra tells us the details of what Hashem wants us to do. The eleven of Tyra is really the one. It's the oneness higher than the ten. The eleven of Tyra doesn't tell us what Hashem wants us to do. Instead, it tells us what he, what his essence is. Who he really is. It's not something you can measure. It just puts, puts us in touch with his essence. So here we had eleven weeks of this beautiful, quiet, contemplative, peaceful, reconnecting, healing phase to the world, form to Shavuot, and then, boom, the hurricane hits. And we're now in a deep purification that involves opening up all of the pockets of impurity and cleaning them out one by one by one. And when you're opening up all of those pus pockets, really, um, it's very messy. It's very ugly. And you see a lot of really ugly stuff. And our one of our jobs is to not be afraid. Either if we're going to be afraid when we see, you know, ah, I see pus and blood and guts coming, you know, ah, either don't look. If we have a sensitive stomach, don't look. Because it's going to, it's always very scary. Or else, um, realize that that's just the cleaning process. It's okay. You know, there, there is a very special story that I told a few times of an Israeli woman told us this. Um, her, she was with her grandson and her daughter and, uh, the little boy was near the trunk of the car and the mother was putting things in the car and she closed the hood. She closed the, you know, the hood of the, not the hood, you know, the, or the trunk. And at that second, as she was closing the trunk, the little boy put his head right there at the last second. He moved so quickly, no one could see it coming, and it kind of hit his head. Everybody was very, very, very 
very scared. They called the ambulance. He was bleeding profusely. They were terrified. They called the ambulance. The grandmother that got in her car and followed the ambulance, and she was hysterical because they thought the worst. It really looked, he was just full of blood. It was, it was very frightening. And they thought the worst, God forbid. And as she's driving, a car came between the ambulance and her. And her car, there wasn't room for her in the ambulance. So she wasn't directly following the ambulance anymore. There was a car in front of her that was driving in front of her the entire time. She couldn't pass by this car. The entire time on the way to the hospital, there she was behind this car. Now, this car had a bumper sticker with um, a picture of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and probably said, you know, the time of your redemption has come, something like that. And she started to scream and cry and scream and cry because this child had been born from a bracha from the Rebbe. The, family, the, the couple had gone, I guess, maybe they didn't, they didn't have children for a long time and they went to the Rebbe and asked for a special bracha and a child was born from this bracha. And as she's looking at this picture on the bumper sticker in front of her driving in this crisis mode, she's screaming and she's screaming, Rebbe, you prom, you, 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 you have to, you have to do something. You gave us a bracha for this child to be born. This, he has to be okay. And she was screaming and screaming and screaming. They got to the hospital and they went into the emergency room. And what, what did it turn out to be? The child had received a cut on the forehead. And cuts on the forehead will produce a huge amount of blood. But they're really not very serious. It was a cut. They actually bandaged up the cup, cut, and he was fine. He looked like, God forbid, the worst. But really, um, he was fine. So, you know, there was her, um, there, there, there was her bracha. So, um, so, um, why am I saying this? Because when we're going to see in this phase that we're going through the world being purified, not just America is being purified, the whole world, you could see a lot of blood. And if it's too scary, don't look. Either we shouldn't look, because we know in the end, everything's going to be okay, better than okay. The purification is happening. So either don't look, or keep it in mind, keep in mind and realize everything is fine. It gets messy as it's being cleaned up. So just, you know, tighten up your stomach muscles or else don't look. Okay. So in all of this, um, we're going to do a piece from Vayetha and a piece from Vayishra. Um, because here in the Sikha, um, what are we reading? That after all of the Masenu Vavadasenu, everything that we've done throughout all the generations, and especially the Avaita of Rabbaseinu Nisienu, beginning with, um, with Yudkes Kislev and, and Yud Kislev, the Balatanya and his son, the Mitlareva, 
and the geulas of that occurred in this month, Yotes Kislev, and then and the Balatanya is passing on Chavdalutevis. After everything that we've done, we have Hetman Shainfa Endik Alabilurim. We have now completed all the Bilurim. So it's interesting. I'm saying that we're going through a Birur now um, in politics, but I guess it's a micro Birur. The, the purification, the Birur, the purification in the macro that needed to be done with Asa and Yaakov was done, including the Birur of Asa who Edom. The Birur, the purification of Asa who is Edom, has been done. And how much more so that even though, even in the time of Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov already thought that Esav was purified at that point. When Yaakov was going back to Eretz Yisrael with his family, the Shvatim, that had been born in Haran, and they met, and Yaakov met up again with his brother who 20 years before had tried to destroy him, now that they met up again, Yaakov felt that Esav is ready. He has been purified. Esav did have, at that point, feelings of love for his brother and feelings of regret for hating him. And Esav did offer, let's go together to Harseir. And Yaakov felt that, oh, maybe my brother Esav is ready. And from the level of Yaakov, from the level of Yaakov, in truth, Esav was ready. So if that was the case then, although things were not completely in place for Yaakov and Esav to be able to go together to the Geula at that point. But how much more so, after all the Avaita that we've done since then, is Esav showing in Gansan Nisbara Gavan. Esav now is completely purified as we see in the conduct at this time of Golis Edom, the conduct, the, the conduct of the nations that come from Asaph, who is Edom, for instance, the United States. We see in the conduct of, of these countries, these are Asaph countries. The United States is very much an Asaph country. Okay, now there are many people from all over. It's a melting pot, but originally the founding fathers who established um, the United States of America were Asav. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, a whole, it was them. These pilgrims, they came over from England. They were very much Asav, you know, they were very much uh, nations, they were very much Christians, you know, were the church people and very much Asav, and they came and they established this country. And now, after a couple of hundred years later, this place, this country, is in a way of Malchus of Chesed. They even established it at that point, in a way of Malchus of Chesed. And from this Malchus of Chesed, of America, this spreads out to many, many different countries. It's an example that sets the tone for countries all over the world. Some adjust some some copy it faster and some slower. And we've seen this even most recently. Some of the things that we saw, this was a said in nineteen ninety two. Some of the things we saw, um the chesed of 
um, at that time, right after the Gulf War, there were the American army would send um, provisions and food and protect people in various parts of the world that that America didn't actually benefit from militarily. The standard policy for any non-Jewish country throughout history was if they would gain something from helping another country, they might. If they gained nothing for themselves, they weren't going to do it. That kind of chesed, Esav wasn't able to do. He was able to take care of himself. If it pays to help somebody else because it's politically good, they would. But what we saw already in 1992 is America reaching out to other to other countries. I guess it was in Kuwait, and there were all the people who had to run away. At that point, the Rebbe said, you know, you see a chesed, an outpouring of chesed of just helping people because they are people and they need help when maybe America didn't directly benefit from it. They tapped into a more, something that's innate to the Jewish people, which is somebody needs help, you help, as opposed to, well, you know, it has to pay for me. So this is the way of Asaph at this point, and therefore it's understood that I'm going to read it in Yiddish. As if their halfman shown by the matas, as their gufa gashmi, when a filu gashmi is island, is shown in gans and is barred in his dachet kavarn. So now it's understood that we are in the situation that the physical body and even the physicality of the world has been completely purified. The physical world and the physical body has been purified. And we're going to see also with Asaph. Asaph has become purified. The physicality of the world. Now, Asav is a very physical kind of guy. He's a man of the field. He's not deeply spiritual and deeply com- contemplative. Asav was out there in the field doing stuff in the field. What you do? Very, you know, fleshy, lusty kind of things. That's what he did. So if Asav has become purified, that means that everything that Asav is about, which is physical life and the passions and all this, that has received a certain level. The physical world has become purified, and the, it's become a keli for for kedusha, and the physical body has become a vessel for kedusha. And so these things, Asa, and the physical world, and the physical body, is a fitting vessel for all the iris inyanim ruchim, for all the lights and spiritual inyanim, including the iris shemashiach sikim, the light of Mashiach, the ar of the gula mitisvashlema. The world is ready for the revelation of Shetis of Atmos, the simple essence of Hashem of Atmos and Mahut, as it's revealed in the simple essence of Mashiach to Canaan, which is higher than the Yechida. And through this, um, what is revealed, the simplicity of every single Jew. And therefore, says, here's the Lubavitcher Rebbe saying, when the Eitzik of Zach was felt is. And so the one thing that's missing is, as a Yid the one thing missing is that Jew should open his eyes properly, that there's then the Alt, the Shine Great to their Geula. He will see that everything is ready for the Geula. So, there, this is where we're up to now in the relationship between Esav and Yaakov. 
this purification. So we have the main purification done. Now it's a micro-purification. Now it's really micro-surgery, really going into all the things, everything that's coming up, you know, just out of the pores. The difference was then that um, we can say if Asaph has been purified, where would you see it? Asaph himself is not comfortable anymore with the corruption that he is capable of engaging in. And so you'll see this half of America is looking into this, and this is half of America is looking into that. There's an obsession with uncovering things that have been covered up that are not moral or correct. Who is doing that? Asa. Again, Asa is fighting with himself, saying, "Where you know, do we want to believe this or this? But the obsession with cleaning out the contradictions in the lifestyle of Asav in America, this is what we're going through now. So Asav has become purified enough so that he can then clean up the world. Clean up the world. So, um, the Chiddush, and now we're in Parshish Vayishma, the Ch- of 1992, Kashin and The Chiddush and the Avait of Yaakov in the Parsha, Vayishlach and Vayeshev. In Vayishlach, Yaakov Vinu was sent on his way, Vayeshev, he settled down. What is that all about relative to the Avaita before? Yaakov, before that, Yaakov Vinu went, left Eretz went down to Corinth, and gave birth to the Jewish people. Yaakov, the eighth of Amur and the Parsha. And so what do we see is happening? Parshish Vayishlach Vayeshev in the Gemara of Eidesabirun. So Vayishlach and Vayeshev, what do we see happening? Before that, Yaakov went down to Galat Zacharan, became empowered, came back with his family, and now in Vayishlach and Vayeshlach, Vayeshev, the Avaida of Birun has been completed. So there we go again. Like we said before, the Avaida Birun has been completed. Which Birun? The, the, the purification. The Birun of Lavan, the purification of Lavan, and the Birun of Asa, and the purification of Asa. To such an extent now that Yaakov is ready for Yemaisa Mashiach. The Jewish people now are in a world that has been purified enough that the Jewish people are ready for Yemaisa Mashiach. Vayishlach Yaakov, Malach of the fun of El Esav, And so, Shluchim were sent, messengers were sent to say, here we are, from Yaakov to Esav, here we are, and we want to tell you that he is man leilach Yaakov l'gu'ula. The time has come for us, Yaakov and Esav, to go together to the Geula. Um, that's number one. So, and as it says, um, one of the reasons why Malachim were sent Mamash, when ya- why did Yaakov Avinu send Malachim to Esav, um, without thinking of, about the covet of the Malachim, 
you know, you're really, you're going to send malachim, you're going to send angels in front of you, maybe to have other stuff to do. And, and without thinking, um, that at the time that Yaakov is going, or maybe Hashem sent the malachim, sorry, Hashem sent the malachim, but when these malachim are going on their shlichus of Yaakov, I'm sorry, I see, Yaakov sent them. When they're being sent by Yaakov, maybe they had another shlichus to do that Hashem gave them, because every malach has its own job to do. So if Yaakov Avinu summons the malachim, the angels, and says, go before me to Asaph, what's that all about? So why? How do you justify it? Because of the great importance of this shlichus to the geula. Yaakov being connected to Esav through these angels, sending Malachim angels in front of him to Esav before he gets them himself. This has everything to do with the Geula. That's the Shlemus, the Tachos, the Shlemus of the whole creation, including the whole reason why Malachim were created. So, we'll say this. Um, the difference between Parshas Vayishlach and, and Parshas Vayeshev, Vayeshev, Bikesh Yaakov Leishev Bashalva, Yaakov wanted to sit in peace until he had the problems with his son Yaakov. Um, when will we, when will Yaakov Avina never got that peace? He wanted to sit in peace. He never got that peace. I mean, he finally reconnected with his son, and then he came to Mitzrayim, and then he had 17 years of peace. Okay. Um, but it's just a taste of what will be the real peace will happen in Yemaisa Mashiach. Then you'll have the Shlemus of Padav Shalom Nafshi. As the Mitlarev says, Padav Shalom Nafshi meaning my soul will be redeemed in peace. The soul of Mashiach, the soul of every Jew, will be redeemed in peace in a much higher way than it was at the time of David and Shlomo. There will be real peace. There will be real peace because Yaakov Avinu will have, through his Avaida, conquered the enemy, Esav. Esav will no longer be an enemy. Esav will devote his entire existence to assisting Yaakov in Kedusha. Esav will fully recognize that, that Yaakov is the leader, has, it has that direct connection with Hashem, that oneness with Hashem, and Yaakov and Esav happily asks Yaakov to lead the world forever in teaching. The entire occupation, says the Rambam, will be nothing other, of the entire world will be nothing other than to know Hashem. That means every single non-Jew will want to do nothing other than to know Hashem, and they will know whom to come to. They will come to the Jewish people who have been steeped in Tyre for thousands of years, and they will know that we are the ones who have the wisdom, and they will ask us to teach them forever. We have a 4,000-year head start on Tyra, and our neshamas resonate fully with Tyra, and we're, which is why we want to permeate ourselves 
through and through and through with Tyra now. They will recognize us as the teachers that they need us to be. And they will, they will, until now you could say, I'm just, this is my thought, when Asa would look at Yaakov, when a non-Jew would look at a Jew a thousand years ago, he did not like him. Let's, that, that's a mild way of putting it. He did not like him. And partly he didn't like him because he knows, you are the one who knows truth. I am not ready to hear this truth thought Asaph, felt Asaph, as long as I see your face, it reminds me that what I think is truth is actually Baba Mises, and you're the one who has truth, and I don't have truth, so my life, so from Asaph's point of view, Asaph understood that his life is, the whole thing is based on nonsense. Who feels good about that? You would think that Asaph would then come to us and say, you know truth, please teach us. But it wasn't the time yet. And so Asa burned with hatred for 4,000 years. And, and bloodthirsty, ways of, uh, you know, taking care of that, that, that hatred and persecuting us plus, 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 plus. And yet it's all going to turn around. Truth will start to become, real truth will start to become the real commodity that the world values. By the way, do you see that happening in the news now? Yes. Not everybody wants to know truth. 75 million Americans do not yet want to know truth. The other, however, I don't know how many Americans there are in America, but maybe it's another 75 million, I don't know the numbers, who do want to know truth, and hence you have all the videos of, you know, and they reveal that and they expose this, and, you know, the stuff that's going on now. The corruption, the ballots, the this, the fraud, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. There are millions of people, of ASUBs, who want to know truth. And by the way, any second they're going to finally, and hopefully they're going to win over. Half of ASUB wants to know truth at this point. And the other half of Asa's, not yet, on the way. And the good of Asa's will inspire the not yet good of Asa's and bring them to truth. And then they'll all turn to us and say, you know truth, please teach us. So the difference between the situation of Yaakov, when he's involved in the purification, versus Yaakov after the purification is done. In other words, Yaakov in the olden days when he was involved in the birur of Asaph and the birur of the world, when there was a time for 4,000 years when we were going into the world and lifting up the sparks. Going into the world, doing a mitzvah, you know, you make a sandwich, you make a bracha on the sandwich and you eat it. You've just extracted the spark of Kedusha. There's a tuna fish sandwich. You've extracted the sparks of Kedusha in all the different parts of the tuna fish sandwich. That's called the Avaita Virur. You do a mitzvah with things of the world for the purpose of pulling the sparks of holiness out of that thing of the world. The rest falls off and the spark of holiness is lifted up. Good. 
That's called the Avaidas Bureau. Then one day we're finished. We lifted up all the sparks. That is called after the Bureau. What do you do then? You're ushering in your Mashiach. So that is really like those two phases. And here we just read, you know, the Lubavitcher Rebbe saying, the Bureau of Asaph has been completed. Now that's not something that you and I could decide. It takes the Nasi Hadar to know that, to be informed by Hashem. It takes the Meishar of the generation to be informed by Hashem that the Bureau has been completed. Now when we do a mitzvah, of course we continue to do mitzvahs, but now when we do a mitzvah, what do we do? We fill that place with the light of Mashiach. We've, we've emptied out the junk, you know, we've pulled, and we've pulled out the spark of holiness, now we're filling up these vessels with the light of Mashiach. Again, what's happening now politically with all the junk coming out, so I guess it's a micro bureau, a micro-purification, a micro-cleansing, a, a, a scouring the vessel for, this, for the light of Mashiach. Maybe we can compare it to the mouth of Meisherbein, right? We all know Meisherbein couldn't speak because he burnt his tongue, and we know why he burnt his tongue, because he touched a piece of coal, coil to his tongue, coal to his tongue, and we know why he did. The Malach put, gave him that piece of coal because he had nursed from a, a woman, not a Yiddish woman, and a few drops of not Yiddish milk, not kosher milk, went on his tongue. So such a tongue and such a mouth that would speak the holy words of Tyra had to be scoured completely so that it would be a fitting vessel for Tyra. So here we go. The, you know, the mouth of the world is being burned out with coal, just like it was by Meisherbeni. Because soon the whole world is going to speak words of Tyra. And really you could say that the mouths of Asaph, the mouth of Asaph throughout generations, was not used for saying such good things. Very, 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 very terrible things. So can such a mouth, Asaph's mouth can go from saying the most horrific things that he said for all of history, not only not only immoral things, but unholy things and, and things against the Jewish people and against Hashem, plus, 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 the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. Asaph has used his mouth plenty, billions and billions and billions and billions, billions and billions of times, has Asaph used his mouth to say the most horrific things, unholy things. That mouth needs to be koshered. That mouth needs to be koshered. Because if that mouth of Asaph is going to soon start saying words of Tyra, and we're going to teach them to say words of Tyra with their mouth, that mouth needs to be koshered. So we see a koshering process. He says this and he says that. and You know, a lo- what are we talking about? We're talking about different people said different things. There's a whole koshering process of the speech and the thoughts and the speech and the deeds 
of Asav in America. All being cautious. So, um, just these two phases of Yaakov doing the purification and Yaakov after the purification now is like the situation of the moon and the sun. Yaakov is compared to the, the moon, the Marakatan. He's called small. And the sun is big. We know that when the moon gets small, why does it get small? Once upon a time at the beginning of creation, the moon and the sun were equal in size and they were equally powerful. Right now, the sun shines and gives to the moon. The moon receives. But once upon a time, the moon wasn't a receiver. They were equal leaders. The moon is not an equal leader now. So what happened? It's a little Kabbalistic. The moon became small. It's because of Shvirasakalim of Taihu. The breaking of the vessels of the world of Taihu. The sparks of holiness fell down, down here. You'll see in a second. And therefore there was a descent of Malchus, which is the moon, to become a receiver. A, what kind of descent? Malchus. Remember Malchus. We're thinking about Malchus, the Jewish people. Hashem, Mashiach. Malchus came down to the lower world, three Yetirathia, to purify the sparks of Taihu. Now, by the way, who comes from the world of Taihu? Do we? No, no, no. Yaakov Avinu comes from the world of Tikkun. So who comes from the world of Taihu? Asaf, our friend Asaf. He is from, his source is from the world of Taihu. The world of Taihu, in the world of Taihu, it's a spiritual world that has very, very intense light. Very wild place. Lots of light, very few vessels to contain the light. It's a very wild place, like Asaf, like our president. Very wild kind of a guy. Literally, exactly this. Asa from the world of Taihu. Taihu is a wild place. And Asa is a wild guy. He always was. Only is the wildness used in a negative way, which it was all of history, or in a positive way, which it's starting to. So, and, and the Lubavitcher Rebbe said in 1991, to bring Mashiach, we have to access the lights of Taihu and bring them into the vessels of Tikkun. We, Yaakov Avinu, are from Tikkun. Tikkun is a place where there are smaller lights with a lot of vessels. Bring those powerful lights into our vessels. We have vessels. We've done mitzvahs for 4,000 years. But it's time for us to grab you know, bigger fish, grab bigger, big, bigger lights. It's time for us to do that. So, where do we get 
One second. So where do we, sorry, where do we get these lights? From Taihu, where do we get the really big lights? We have made vessels to all of our mitzvahs in such a magnificent way, we're ready for bigger lights. You know, moving on, you know. How long can you do the small, the small potato stuff? It's time for the big stuff. Pull the highest lights of Taihu into our vessels that we've created. We certainly worked hard to create vessels through our mitzvahs. So where do you get those lights? Hello. The other guy, the twin brother, Asav. He's got access to the lights. He's from the world of Taihu. He's holding on to the lights. Kanika, time of light. He's holding on to the lights. Until now, he was using the lights, but in a very, very, very horrific way. He had the lights. He had the power. But he did not use it in a holy way. Now he's ready to. If we do it right, we can influence him now to share those lights with us so that we take from him the lights, put them in our vessels, and then he will be happy. We He does not know what to do with his lights. We do. And it's our job to access those lights of Tayu from Asa and put them into our vessels that we've created from of Tikkun, from the lights of Tayu and the vessels of Tikkun. So, it comes out that the situation of the way the moon is that it has to receive from the sun is Litzarach Abaydis Abilim. Why does the moon have to receive from the sun? We said there was breaking of the vessel, Shvirtha Kalim, and so in order to do this viewer, this purification, the moon had to become a receiver. Okay? Kabbalistic thought. But what happens when the purification has been finished? The viewer has been finished. Does the moon still have to remain a receiver? Job is done. I guess not. Then the moon no longer has to be receiver. The moon no longer has to be small and subjugated. The Jewish people no longer have to be small and subjugated in every, under everybody's control. The time comes for us to step into our full power. Right there, shining like the sun and taking over. The light, the light of the moon will be like the light of the sun. The two luminaries. And in fact, um, it says here, at the time of David and Shlomo Melech, the 14th and the 15th generation from Avram Avinu, it was a full moon, which emphasizes the fullness of the light of the moon as it receives from the sun. That was a moment in history, David and Shlomo, their time, 14th and 15th generation, where the Jewish people were shining fully. For a short period of time, it was a taste of what will be in Yemaisa Mashiach. The Jewish people fully shining. The sun and the moon shining side by side. Not, oh, we will run the world together with Asav. We will be the leaders of the world. And Asav will funnel us his kaychas. An example would be, even now, 
I'm watching all these videos about what they're doing and all the, you know, what's going on and they're exposing this and exposing that. And it's amazing. In my mind, I don't know, I thought the past four years or all of history, really, we were, when we were pursuing truth, we were alone. We were alone. The nations of the world, they were busy with their, if not besides their bloodthirsty, horrific stuff, when they were in a pyrovic kind of a mood, they weren't creating destruction. They were just into nonsense. Nobody was thinking about truth. And all of a sudden, they're doing the work for us. We don't have to go in and explore and find out all the information, who's doing what and what needs to be fixed. They're doing the job for us. We can sit back and relax. Sit back and learn Taira and create light, and they will do the work for us. Maybe that's what it means, that the sun and the moon will shine equally. They'll be doing the work, the footwork for us, and they'll hand us, they'll hand us every, the, the finished product, and we elevate it to, to Gaula. So, this is hinted at in Parshas by Yishlach. By Yishlach Yaakov Malachim, the son of El Eitzavachis, that Yaakov sent Malachim before him to Esav, that Yaakov, we said, Yaakov is from the world of Tikkun. And so he sent Malachim in front of him. He sent Malachim to a level higher than him. From where? From the world of Tikkun, where we, we reside. He sent Malachim up to the world of Taihu, where Esav is, in his source. Because according to the connection to Yaakov, that Esav was purified and went back to his source in the Makifim of Taihu. Even at that time, Yaakov said, I am going to send Malachim up to the source of Esav in Taihu and start connecting with its source in Kedusha. Why? Why did Yaakov do this? Why did he send Malachim up there to the world of Taihu? To bring down the Makifim of Taihu, these transcendent lights of Taihu, Taihu, down to himself, down to the Jewish people in the world of Tikkun. Down to Or Pnimi. To bring all of this these high light down into an arpanini, an inner light. And what would happen? The yar hamakitipnini, the yahu yachab, and the high supernal light that you normally couldn't access will shine in a deep inner way within the, the yidden. And the, the, the makit and the pnini, the external and the internal, will become one unit. To become one. And that's like the moon and the sun unifying. That's Yaakov and Esav unifying. That's the uni- unity of Or Pnimi and Or Makis. That's the unity of Mamale Kalami and Sabri Kalami. To the extent that the moon will one day, will no longer have to receive from the sun because the purification of all of the sparks of Taihu will have been, is completed. And that's why for that purification, the moon had to become a receiver. And when the purification is done, the moon no longer has to be a receiver. They become 
equal partners. The moon, the sun is the, the light of the moon becomes like the light of the sun, as we said. And so, and one more point, let's look into the, let's end off with looking into the Haftira. Even though Mitzad Yaakov, at that point, everything, or Mitzad Yaakov now, all in Yanav of Zero, um, Nigmu v'nishmu kol inyane habirum v'kvar az haisa yukhalu tricha liyasa ge'ula. At that time, 4,000 years ago, this birur had come, this purification from Yaakov had come to such an appoint, a point that then they could have already had the ge'ula, which is why Yaakov already sent, at that point, Malachim up to Esav in his source to tell him, we're ready to tell him the alumashim the hartzion lishpata say haresas bikesh lechad b'shalva. At that moment, already four thousand years ago, Yaakov said, "Let's go to Geula. We can do it. Let's go." But and so, in a way, if the world was ready, in a way, not so much the world was ready. Yaakov was ready, and he believed that he could schlep Asab along at that point 4,000 years ago. He didn't. He did on some level, but we suffered unspeakably for 4,000 years since then. But now, after all of Masing, everything that we've done, that the Yidden have done throughout all the generations, including the revelation of Pneumus Atara and Yutes Kislev, that began the real Yafutama Nisekhuta and continuing from generation to generation for Abhisenu After all of that and all of the Hafasa in every corner of the world, now Kvarnigmaru Binishmu Kalinyanam Gamitsada Ilam. Now the world everything has been completed, not just from Yako's point of view, from the Mitzad, the world, from the world's point of view, the world is ready. As we have been told by the Rebbe Rayas, Farnishmu Koyinyane Avaida. All the Inyanam of Avaida are, are completed, including polishing the buttons. And everything's ready for Bias Mashiach. So therefore we understand. So now, what are we up to? As long as Mashiach Sitkenu is not fully here for some unknown, unfathomable reason, what are we doing now? We're no longer doing the Avaida of Birun. Because the Avaida of Birun has been completed. So what are we doing now? With every Nisra. It's a special avaida to bring the revelation in the world, to bring, to fill the world with the light of Mashiach. We're no longer doing the avaida birun, but we're doing a special avaida to bring about the revelation of Mashiach Bapayal, the revelation Bapayal in the world. And all of this, to end off, is emphasized in the Haftarah of this week. Bahaya base Yaakov Aish, base Yosef Lahava, base Esav, base Yosef Lahava, base Esav Lakash.
And so Beis Yaakov is fire, as it says in the Haftarah. Beis Yaakov is fire. Beis Yaisif is a flame. And Beis Esav is the straw for the fire. It's a positive fire, a fire of Kedusha. Beis Yaakov, the fire of Kedusha. But for a fire, you have to keep putting wood in or straw in to keep feeding the fire. That is provided by Esav. And therefore, the Yeshua Negev is Har Esav, and we will inherit Har Esav, the Gullus and this Gullus, which goes all the way to Tzarfa. Yeshua is Arya Negev, we will inherit Arya Negev, and the Redeemer will go up to Har Esav, to judge Har Esav. Well, there we go. To judge Har Esav. It certainly looks like Har Asaph is being judged right now. So one of the, and so to end off, one of the tradition of Yisaf, of base Yisaf in our generation, relative to the generations before, all the way back to the generation of base Yaakov, the, the Balatanya, through whom there is Hafatis Amayanus in every corner of the world, like France. In the time of the Balatanya, there wasn't so much the revelation of Hafatis Atira in France because it was the lowest point. And there was a battle there going on with France with this intense klipa that was representative of what's going on in America today. The, the Kripa that was being fought by France, by the Balatanya, the Altareba at that time, was against Napoleon. What was Napo- what did Napoleon stand for? My strength made me, gave me what I have. My talent gave me what I have. So, the clip of Napoleon was, I created what I have with my own kayak. I am, I don't need God. (laughs) We heard that one second. We just heard that a few weeks ago from the governor of New York State. And he said, oh, we've seen this and this progress in the health situation in New York State. And it's not because of God, and it's not because of a higher prayer, a higher power. It's because we did what we had to do to take care of, to take the right precautions. Don't don't attribute this to a higher power or to God. Hmm. It's because we did what we needed to do. Well, that's Napoleon talk, isn't isn't it? I achieved what I needed to achieve by my own efforts. And so the Balatanya, the Altarebbe, fought with everything that he had against this. And so here we are again in the final second of that battle or uh, the battle for Padre Shalom Nafshi, for Va'ala Mashin Baharti and Esav, that the judgment of Esav is happening in front of our eyes. And we're going up to Harsion 
and we're kimi tian tei taira. Because from tian comes taira, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. May we find ourselves in tian, in taira, fully in taira, Yerushalayim, Erechadish, Zulamitis Ashlema, immediately now.